Hey, thanks for checking out the weekly podcast from Chattanooga Valley Baptist Church. We hope you found this episode to be challenging and encouraging. Now, let's turn our attention to this week's sermon from Pastor Brian Carroll. Let's read the Israelites first so we can feel better about ourselves, okay? So uh, if you are physically able and would uh, please stand uh, as we read Joshua 22, verses 9 through 34. Told you it's a lot, but it's good, I promise you. So the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh returned home, parting from the people of Israel at Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan, to go to the land of Gilead, their own land of which they had possessed themselves by command of the Lord through Moses. This is where Brian left off before Christmas. Okay. And when they came to the region of the Jordan that is in the land of Canaan, the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, from now on I'm gonna call them the Eastern people, uh, built there an altar by the Jordan, an altar of imposing size. And the people of Israel heard it said, behold, the people of the East have built the altar at the frontier of the land of Canaan in the region about the Jordan on the side that belongs to the people of Israel. And when the people of Israel heard of it, the whole assembly of the people of Israel gathered at Shiloh to make war against them. Then the people of Israel sent to the people of the east in the land of Gilead, uh, Phinehas, uh, son of Eleazar, the priest, and with him 10 chiefs, one from each of the tribal families of Israel, every one of them the head of a family among the clans of Israel. And they came to the people of the east in the land of Gilead, and they said to them, thus says the whole congregation of the Lord, what is this breach of faith that you have committed against the God of Israel in turning away this day from following the Lord by building yourselves an altar this day in rebellion against the Lord. Have we not had enough of the sin at Peor from which even yet we have not cleansed ourselves and for which there came a plague upon the congregation of the Lord that you too must turn away this day from following the Lord? And if you too rebel against the Lord today, then tomorrow he will be angry with the whole congregation of Israel. But now, if the land of your possession is unclean, pass over into the Lord's land, where the Lord's tabernacle stands, and take for yourselves a possession among us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, or make us as rebels by building for yourselves an altar other than the altar of the Lord our God. Did not Achan the son of Zerah break faith in the matter of devoted things, and wrath fell upon all the congregation of Israel, and he did not perish alone for his iniquity. Then the people of the east, I'm gonna say their names real quick, the people of Reuben, the people of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh said in answer to the heads of the families of Israel, the mighty one, God the Lord, the mighty one, God the Lord, he knows, and let Israel itself know, if it was in rebellion or in breach of faith against the Lord, do not spare us today for building an altar to turn away from following the Lord. Or if we did so to offer burnt offerings or grain offerings or peace offerings on it, may the Lord himself take vengeance. No, but we did it from fear that in time to come, your children might say to our children, what have you to do with the Lord, the God of Israel? For the Lord has made the Jordan a boundary between us. You, your, uh, 
sorry, between us and you, you people of Reuben and people of Gad, you have no portion in the Lord, so your children might make our children cease to worship the Lord. Therefore, we said, let us now build an altar, not for burnt offering, not for sacrifice, but to be a witness between us and you, between our generations after us, that we do perform the service of the Lord in his presence with our burnt offerings and sacrifices and peace offerings, so your children will not say to our children in time to come, you have have no portion in the Lord. And we thought if this should be said to us or to our descendants in time to come, we should say, behold, the copy of the altar of the Lord, which our fathers made, not for burnt offerings, not for sacrifice, but to be a witness between us and you. Far be it from us that we should rebel against the Lord and turn away this day from following the Lord by building an altar for burnt offering, grain offering, or sacrifice other than the altar of the Lord our God that stands before his tabernacle. When Phineas the priest and the chiefs of the congregation, the heads of the families of Israel who were with him, heard the words, the people of the Reuben and the people of God and the people of Manasseh spoke, it was good in their eyes. And Phineas said, or and Phineas, the son of Eleazar the priest, said to the people of the east, Today we know the Lord is in our midst because you have not committed this breach of faith against the Lord. Now you have delivered the people of Israel from the hand of the Lord. Then Phineas, the son of Eleazar the priest, the chiefs, returned from the people of the east uh, to the people of Israel and brought back word to them. And the report was good in the eyes of the people of Israel. And the people of Israel blessed God and spoke no more of making war against them to destroy the land where the people of the east were settled. The people of the east called the altar witness for they said it is a witness between us that the Lord is God. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for just letting us see human nature at work and letting us see our flaws and letting us see the mistakes and how easy it is for us to misunderstand and miscommunicate and for that to get real messy real fast. Lord, I pray that we will learn this morning from this this kind of funny text once it's all said and done, God, that we'll get to, to look at it and reflect on our own lives, not on everybody else, but on ourselves and on our hearts and on our own minds. And Father, start this new year off with a little bit more wisdom from you and from your word. We love you and pray these things in your name, amen. Y'all can have a seat. Thank you for bearing with me through all of those verses. But I, I just, I couldn't not read that. I just, I, we, just we had to. Um, and I would apologize, but Pastor Brian's already talked about the times that you know they would read for the entire day. Leviticus. And the people are like, give us more, give us more, give us more, give us more. So I figured a few verses wasn't gonna kill us all. So uh, Joshua 22, where Pastor Brian left off, we have the Jordan River, and we have these little two and a half tribes that decided, hey, we want land on the east side way back at the beginning of Joshua. And they were like, okay, that's fine. You're gonna help us. And so Pastor Brian's already explained all this. And so the war's over, it's done, it's time to go home, we're, we're good. So you guys can go across to the east and you can have your land that was promised to you and the rest of the tribes will stay over here in the west. I wanna be very clear, this is all the people of Israel. There's, there's no foreigners here. This is one nation, one people group. These are all the descendants of Jacob, right? This is, this is the nation of Israel. There's just those on the east side of the river and then everybody else on the west side of the river, okay? So there's our, our physical context here. And they like waste no time here. So the people of the east go across, they return home, and then you go to verse 10, and the people on the west are like, hey, 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 they've built an altar. And not, not like a small altar, an altar of imposing size, like it stands out. You see this thing from a long way off. 
So we're gonna go ahead and just jump on into this because I'm long-winded. Got three lessons for us from this. First one is to live boldly. We're gonna kind of break these slides down a little little weird today. Um, we're gonna kind of look at what the East did, what the West did, and we're gonna ask a question, and then there's gonna be something for us to walk away with. Um, it's not gonna take as long as it sounds, I promise you. So uh, to summarize, what did the East do that was so bold? Well, they built this massive monument. Massive. It says it was, was of imposing size. So to the East, they're gonna build this thing so that everybody for generations knows exactly who they are. We are the people of God. We are Israelites just like our brothers on the West. We fought the same battles with Joshua that the people on the West fought. We were there for the fall of Jericho. We were there through all of it. We came out of the Exodus. We are the people and we want everybody to know we may be on the other side of the river, but we're the people of God. And so they build this massive altar, leave no questions. You don't come into their territory and go, oh, what God do you serve? Like you see this thing and you're like, yep, okay, they're Israelites, we got this, we got the connection. Like that's what the East was doing. Okay, but what about the West? What'd the West do? Well, the West called out Eastern tribes for what they thought was disobedience. We are really bad at this. As a church, we're horrible at this. Let me be very clear about something. We are really good at telling the world how bad they are. We are really, really bad at calling ourselves out for our stuff. We are really good at going big topics with the world and going, y'all can't live like that. And then inside our church community, we're like, oh, well, we'll just let that slide. We don't wanna talk about that because that's, that's a common sin in our church, so we're not gonna talk about that one. No, can't do that. That's literally the opposite of what we should be doing, right? And so for all the, the dumb that I'm gonna dump on the Western tribes here in just a minute, I wanna praise them right here. They were very bold from the get-go of like, nope, no, we're not building altars. Not happening. You're not doing this. You're not idol worshiping. You're not making false sacrifice. No, like they were, they were immediately, boldly ready to declare war. Like war had just finished. They've just conquered this land. It is theirs and they're finally done. Like okay, it's been generations of exile and travel and war and conquest and we can all rest now and they look across the river and it's like they've just built an all right, strap it back up, let's go. And the Western tribes are ready to go fight their own brothers because it's disrespectful to God. And they say, absolutely not, not within our nation's boundaries. Now understand, their nation, our church. There's a big distinction there. Their nation was the nation of God. Pre-Jesus, the Israelites were the people of God. Post-Jesus, the church is the people of God. And that is not America exclusive, as much as we might wanna think it is sometimes. So before we start getting into some 
This is not an anti or pro patriotic sermon. This is nothing to do with America. This is to do with the church today, okay? Can we just do that today? Can we just focus on the church, the global modern church, the church that exists through, through all seven continents, including Antarctica, because there's some people down there that are crazy and they decide to go to Antarctica. But anyway, um, we're talking about the, the, the church here, right? The, their boldness and that the Israelites said, not in our circle, not in the people of God, not in the people who are the representation of God. This kind of stuff will not fly inside of our circle. Absolutely not. And so for us, are we willing to look inside our circle, inside the church, and say, no, like these sins are unacceptable? We are not gonna just be hush because we don't wanna run anybody off. We don't wanna push anybody away. We don't wanna ruffle any feathers. Maybe I struggle with this more because I, I was an outsider, because I wasn't part of the church, because I was the skeptic that I felt judged by churchy people. Maybe, maybe that's why I'm so passionate about this, but it almost seems like the church is way better at judging non-Christians than it is judging ourselves, the ones that are actually held to the standard. Because contrary to our normal like, expectations or beliefs or whatever, non-Christians shouldn't live like Christians. They don't have Jesus and the Holy Spirit, which makes us able to live like Christians. So for whatever reason, we have this expectation that the world should follow the Bible. Why? The only reason why I follow the Bible is because of Jesus. If Jesus hadn't saved my soul, I would not want to follow any of this. The only reason why I care what any of these commandments say, the only reason why I care about the, the, the teachings of Jesus, the only reason why I care about what the Bible says is because Jesus saved my soul. Because 15, about to be 16 year old me was facing this mountain of sin and disbelief and lack of faith and lack of hope in my life and Jesus stepped in and because of that, I'm willing to do the hard things this says. Not because Jacob wants to, but because Jesus commands it and I owe my everything to him. If somebody does not owe their everything to Jesus, why would they, why would they listen to him? We have this expectation for the, for the world to believe what we believe. You should have our morals. No, they shouldn't. The only reason why we have those morals is because the Holy Spirit is working on us. The Bible says that he who began a good work will continue it. The only reason why there's anything good in us is because Jesus has put it in us and the Holy Spirit is growing that inside of us. And so as we go into this new year, let's look at what the Western tribes did. Let's not go attack everybody else for having idols. Let's look inwardly and go, hey, hold on a second. I expect the foreigners to worship idols. They're foreigners. But if you're gonna claim to be the people of God, we gotta tear down these idols. They were much more bold internal than they were external, and I think we have that backwards. I have that backwards. It's real easy to look at some of these big lifestyle sins that we like to talk about, because those are easy, those are no-brainers. Those are, those are slam dunk, that's a sin, we all know it's a sin. And it's an easy to call that one a sin. But then there's all these other ones that have trickled their way into the church and we're just okay with it now. It's like, well, it's just common, it's just okay. No, it's not okay. But you guys are my family. We're a, we're a church family and so there's, 
there's a danger in me calling you out because you might leave. I don't want you to leave, so I just tiptoe around it. We've gotta flip this. We've gotta be willing to be bold enough with each other to say, look, like this is not, this is not okay. We have to be better. And that's what the Western tribes did. So the East said, look, this is exactly who we are. We're building a monument. The West, not understanding what the East was doing, the West said, absolutely not. We will not have idol worship inside of our circle. Not happening. So it's two, two very bold groups here. So then the question has to be asked. For us, it's a really simple question, maybe a difficult answer. Are there people in your pretty much everyday life that would be surprised to find out that you're a Christian? And I don't mean, oh yeah, I was raised in church. I mean, would they be surprised to know that you actually care about this faith? And I say that to myself before I say it to you guys, right? Like, people assume because I'm Pastor Jacob, well, Jacob hasn't always been Pastor Jacob, okay? So there was college student Jacob that, you know, was a frozen dairy manager at Walmart, right? And so frozen dairy manager Jacob did not reflect Christ very well. Thanksgiving was a very bad week as a frozen dairy manager. Some of you have worked in grocery and you're chuckling right now. Y'all have been there. Frozen dairy manager Jacob may or may not have had to um, replace some packages in the freezer because frozen dairy manager Jacob walked in and slung the packages and said, this is dumb and I'm sick and tired of trying to go hunt down butter for somebody who waited until Wednesday to come get butter for Thursday. Like, no, we're sold out, sorry. Like, that guy did not reflect Jesus very well. My coworkers would have been probably shocked to find out that frozen dairy manager Jacob loved Jesus. So I say that from, from honesty here, just being transparent. I've been there. We can't stay there. We cannot live where people have a question mark about us. Like, are they a Christian? Like, they should know. You don't find a single Christian in the New Testament that you go, are they? No, they're obnoxious about it. A lot of them got killed for being obnoxious about it. The rest of them got either put in jail or beaten or lost friends or even got you know, kicked out of families. Like, these people were bold. Well, where does that boldness come from? It comes from the fact that they were radically changed. They know who they were and they know who they are and what's different is Jesus. And so for us, there's just gotta be a time of reflection of going like, I mean, is there, like Samantha was sharing with the kids, is there a new creation or am I still just the old one that's been walking through all this? I think a really easy question is, do my coworkers know that I love Jesus? Now, I want to be very clear, that does not mean that your coworkers are annoyed with how much you love Jesus because you preach at them all the time. This does not mean you go to work and like, hey, did you read your Bible? No, no. Stop, again, let's go back to the, this, this one small, small, small thing. Non-believers should not act like you. So instead of trying to force our morals and our ethics and our commandments on them, let's show them our Jesus so he can do that. Because I've seen a lot of people who tried to live like Christians and they can do it for a few months, few years, 
few decades, but they're gonna flounder at some point because unless there is Christ in us, unless we have been changed, unless we are a new creation, it's just not gonna happen because you're working off of a system, not working off of a changed heart. So I'm not saying go, go beat your coworkers over the head with the Bible, but love them. Go read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and look at how Jesus responded to people. Look at how he loved people. Love is, is harsh sometimes. But most of the time it's sweet and it is encouraging and it is patient and it is forgiving and it is gracious. We're not good at those things. So become better at those things. Love your neighbors so they look at you and go, something's different about this guy. Not, not beat him over the head with the Bible but just love them and live in such a way that they're like, what is different about you? Because I'm curious and I wanna know. Hey, look at that, now you can share the gospel. It's like we start with the commandments and then bring the Jesus in, we gotta flip that. Bring Christ in, let Christ change, let Christ work. And so the practical application for us is just really simple, to proclaim and defend your faith. Make a big deal of your faith. Don't expect others to believe what you believe. Let your life reflect Christ in a way that they want what you have. But the biggest thing from the East and the West here at this first point is just to leave absolutely no questions about where your faith is and who your faith is in. So we gotta live boldly, right? Okay, so number two, we gotta live wisely. Live wisely. So what did the East do? What did the East do? Um, this, this is, we're, we're gonna learn from their mistakes this time. Not their good like it was the first point, this point learning from their mistakes, right? So uh, yeah, they didn't communicate the purpose of their altar monument thing, they just built it and just assumed that, you know, oh, the West will understand, they'll know what we're doing. Stop it. Stop. Stop assuming people know what you're talking about. Just actually say it. I'm bad at this. Just full transparency here. I just assume you're gonna know what's going on in my head and you're just gonna track with me. We're just gonna, we're just gonna work together. Like you'll just understand my point, but no. no. We, we need to communicate effectively what our point is, like what our reason is, why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, at work, communicate. With your kids, communicate. With your spouse, communicate your point. Communicate your intention. Get it from thought to word so that you're on the same page about you and your household, but I know about my household, and I know about my parents' household, and I know about my grandparents' households. And 90 99.9% of the time, that's probably a little bit of an exaggeration, but probably not too much, the whole argument, dispute, debate, fight, whatever you wanna call it in your household, came down to not communicating something. That's really what it all came down to. The rest of it, came after a lack of communicating. Like if you would have just said what you were thinking instead of assuming that they would know what you were thinking, the rest of the fight wouldn't have happened. So all the extra stuff, it's not, not great, but if we trace it back to its beginning, communicate. Actually tell the people you love what you're thinking. This would have been really simple. 
hey, Western tribes, Joshua, just write a letter to Joshua. Be like, hey man, we're gonna build a monument. It's not an altar. It's just a way for us to, to remind our future generations and your future generations that we are with you, that we're all one happy Israelite family here, right? Like we're just, let's just, let's send that letter and this whole passage doesn't happen. Instead, they're like, let's build a giant monument and tell them nothing. If during this whole spiel, you've been poking your spouse and been like, hey, are you listening? Hey, are you listening? Hey, are you listening? Keep doing that. They probably do need to hear it, but make sure you're listening to. Communicate. I'm horrible at this. I'm gonna be better. I'm gonna try to be better. I would ask you to show hands how many of y'all are bad at this, but I don't wanna embarrass the majority of you by making you all raise your hands. So just, just communicate. It's, it's really simple, communicate. So what did, the, what did the West do? What did the West do? Well, the West made an assumption and jumped to conclusions. And now the one who's been getting poked is now poking the other one like, oh yeah, you made an assumption. Stop it. We are all at fault here. We are all flawed. We are, we are not good at this kind of stuff. That's why we have our fights and our debates and our arguments. And this is why we, those of you that are like, we don't have this problem, praise God for you. Please come teach us, the rest of us, okay? The West made a, a pretty drastic assumption. Like they, they went from, you know, zero to let's go to war very, very, very quickly, Again, this could have been a very simple, let's write up a letter, send it across the river, been like, hey, what are y'all doing? Instead, it was, all right, sharpen everything back up, let's go. And they get like the heads of the families, it's like a little mafia movie where they're like, all right, all the heads of the families, let's go meet, let's have this, this little throwdown. Like, that, 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 was, that was a bit of an exaggeration. Prob probably an overreaction here, probably didn't need to go straight to we're gonna declare war on our brothers. Probably could have asked some questions. So if we're tracking now at this point, we're gonna communicate first, but we're also gonna stop assuming and jumping to conclusions as a response. If we do both of these, we have effective communication in our households, in our workplaces, with our kids, with our, our whatever, and most of our drama goes away. My wife was a middle school counselor we would get in the car after work. She can't name names, but I can kind of get an idea of what's going on. And I would say 75% of everything she dealt with came down to just horrible communication with middle schoolers. You've got nine girls all mad at each other and it all came down to one of them assumed one thing about somebody else and then they all just squabble and just ask questions. So learning from the East, don't assume they know what you're doing, tell them. Learning from the West, don't jump to aggressive conclusions, ask questions. Hey, this passage isn't necessary. Most of our fights and arguments and debates aren't necessary if we would just effectively communicate. So question uh, number two here, what areas of your life do you need to do a better job of thinking before acting? If you're like me, that's a very long list. We got some work to do, but that's a good thing. 
That means we're still breathing. It means we're still here. We can still do work. We're still alive. We can still improve. So let's improve. Let's get better at this. Let's, let's think before we act. Let's think before we respond to our kids. Let's think before we respond to our spouse. Let's think before we do stuff at work that we probably maybe shouldn't say or do or send that email. One of the best things I was ever given was a 24-hour rule when I was coaching sports. I was not allowed to discuss the game with parents for 24 hours. So they could come up to me right after the game and be like, I wanna talk to you about playing time, 24 hours. And that was a school-regulated, like our athletic director said, you are not to talk to parents about the game for 24 hours. You know what happened in 24 hours? They didn't care half the time anymore. They didn't even have their... Their, their heated moment never even happened, or, or my, my anger, my frustration, it was, it was gone. Instead of just jumping straight in and being like, hey, you're an idiot. Just taking a second to think about it and go, oh, you know, actually, nah, it's not that big of a deal. I kind of get it, it makes sense. I love that rule, that 24-hour rule. It was a great, great rule. Saved um, a lot of headaches and heartaches. Um, I think the biggest thing for us is just to seek wisdom. If we're gonna live wisely, we gotta, we gotta be getting wisdom from somewhere. And so uh, if we're gonna do a better job of thinking before acting, then our practical point here is we just need to humbly seek wisdom. It is January 1st. It is, it is, uh, it is a time to redo your Bible reading plan because last year you died in Leviticus somewhere. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm, I failed at this one last year. Uh, I got here and was all gung-ho, and I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through this whole thing like twice, right? And, and then I fell off somewhere in uh, numbers, I think. Um, got real discouraged, and I was just like, oh, I'm just not gonna do this Bible plan anymore. So instead, I did like 18 other smaller plans, which was actually more work than just doing the first plan in the first place. But anyway, um, it's, it's New Year and New You and all these resolutions, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna work out, I'm gonna lose weight, I'm gonna eat healthy, I'm gonna save money, I'm gonna whatever, I'm gonna read more, whatever you're, you're what, okay, fine, that's great. Do those things, have at it. Well, let's go deeper than just, I'm gonna read my Bible. Reading your Bible is good. Don't, don't misunderstand. That is good. But if we look at Scripture, what it often says is read and dwell on, read and meditate on, read and treasure, read and soak in these words. So instead of being like, check the box, check the box, check the box, check the box, I read my four chapters, I'm good for the day. Let's, let's, go, let's go deeper. Let's, let's actually work with the scriptures that we're reading and ask questions and journal. Let's memorize scripture. I'm not saying let's memorize whole books. Some of you are like, memorize? I haven't done that since third grade. Okay. Do it anyway. How many weeks are there in a year? How, how many weeks? Thank you, Foster. 52 weeks in a year. So how many verses, if we do one a week, could we memorize in a year? 52. You can memorize 52 verses doing one a week. The youth can do that. Guess what, they're going to. We're, we're gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna challenge them to memorize one verse. I got a whole list. We're gonna do, uh, we're gonna do a, a, a verse a week. Is it a requirement? No, I'm not gonna kick them out of youth for not doing it. I'm gonna encourage them. We're gonna work with that. And it's gonna be in very intentional verses. 
things to encourage, things to challenge, things to, to dwell on when, when you're going through all the hardships that we go through, when, when you've got seven hospital visits in three days to go through and you're driving back and forth all over Walker County and, and Chattanooga and everything else to, to have these verses popping into your head and going, okay, you know. That's, that's why it's there. It's not, it's not a task to be completed. It's a treasure for us to hold on to. That's why the Bible tells us to learn it, to hide it in our hearts. It's why it's the wisdom of God is for us to, to have these, these truths soak into us so that we can live them and we can share them with others and with ourselves and with our loved ones. Um, so read your Bible, memorize scripture, and you know, you gotta throw this one in there, pray. Well, I just, I'm not really good at prayer. Nobody is at first. We're really bad at it. It's awkward. It doesn't make sense in our brains. Like prayer is not necessarily a talent that we have from the get-go. Nine out of 10 times, if you have that person, if I, if I say, who's somebody that has a good prayer life and you start thinking through that, I guarantee you they're probably over the age of 60. You wanna know why? They've practiced They've had a lifetime of raising children and going through their marriage and working their career where they've been able to grow in the habit and in the skill and in the love of prayer. Most 20-year-olds are not very good at prayer yet. Yet, being the underlined word, let's pray. Let's be bad at it for a little bit. I've got students all the time, they're like, oh, I'm gonna play guitar. They're really bad when they first pick up an instrument. Horrible. It's terrible. But you practice, and then you're less terrible. And then before you know it, you're shredding solos in the middle of worship on a Sunday morning that work perfectly in, and most of you don't even realize that he's doing incredible things on the guitar because he makes it blend, and it's incredible, and I appreciate you. Um, so... All that being said, let's, let's actually be wise by seeking wisdom that comes from the Lord. Last, live presently. This one's gonna be, I hope, the shortest, quickest, fastest point. Uh, live presently, live presently. Um, so here's what the East and West did. Y'all repeat after me. The East and the West, they moved on. The West came across and said, we're about to destroy you unless you can explain yourselves or fix this. And the East said, if what you say is true, do it, kill us, we deserve to die. But it's not true, here's what we actually did. And the West went, oh, okay, cool. And they went back home and the East said, great, okay, we're good, let's move on here. And that's the end of it. I love this. It's like, it's one of my favorite parts of this entire thing. Um, and the report was good in the eyes of the people of Israel. And the people of Israel blessed God. And listen to this, and spoke no more. and spoke no more. If we would let stuff go, we would be much happier people. We are really, really bad at holding on to these little frustrations. If I'm one of the leaders of these Eastern tribes, and you Western tribers come across the Jordan, suited up for war. How dare you build this thing? We're gonna, I'm gonna have a real hard time moving on from that. I'm gonna be like, well, you are insane. 
super judgmental, not a fan of you right now. That's not what they do. They're like, hey, we get it. That's a good call. I'm glad you guys care enough about this to call us out on it. Here's what we actually did. Are we good? We good? Great, wonderful. And they move on. Obvious question for us is what are we hanging on to? Because we're all hanging on to something. So what are we hanging on to? Um, so let's get practical here for a second. Uh, we got to let go of the past and speak of it no more. It could be anger, resentment. It could be where you're mad at somebody for something. That could be where somebody hurt you. That could be where somebody let you down. That, that it could be a person-to-person squabble of some sort. I don't know about everybody, but I know that um, the majority of the time when I hear about uh, marriage uh, arguments, a lot of times, it's the same argument every single time. You're just changing the context and the setting, but it comes back to the same stuff because y'all just won't let go of stuff. Some of you are like, yeah, that's me. I'm like, well, that's all of us. That's what we do. We don't, we don't deal with it and move on. We just silence it and push it to the side and put it in our pocket, and then the next time that they say something, we throw it back out. Like, here we go, flag on the play. Remember that time that you did this? Stop it. Stop doing that. Move on, like when something's over, finish it and move on. Let's communicate effectively. Let's explain, hey, here's what I was thinking. Hey, here's what I thought about it. Cool, okay, let's move on. Let's quit holding on to what other people did to us in the past. It's the past. I don't wanna get all Lion King up here, but leave your, (laughs) I got like one chuckle out of that, it's great. You gotta leave your behind in the past or whatever it is that Pumbaa says or Timon says, I, I don't know, I've, the, I, it's, my brain's mush right now with Lion King because the live action one was just not as good and I watched it with Addie Ray the other day and it's just terrible and some of my Lion King quotes are gone but, but guys, come on, like we've gotta, we gotta move on. Like we, we know that it's a new year. We, we get that, like we know it's a new year. And so we know there's nothing we can do about what happened in September. Like I can't get last year's goals back. It's over, it's done. Ohio State can't get that kick back from last night. Poor kid. Just kidding, I don't like kickers, so it's fine. Like we know that, we, like we know when something's over, we can move on from it, except for something emotional. We hold on to those things. So whatever your little thing is that you just hold on to, you refuse to, you bring it back up all the time. Let it go. It is healthier for you. You're accomplishing nothing hanging on to that. But for some of us, it's not an emotional person-to-person thing. For some of us, it's just sin. We're just holding on to sin. We're, we're, maybe we're holding on to, to all of our sin, and we've never let it go in the first place. And so we're trying and we're trying and we're trying and we're trying to live for God, but we can't because, well, we don't belong to him. We belong to our sin. Like we're, some, some people are still just slaves to their sin and they've never actually been set free by Christ. And so you look at this, you, well, every year I try to do more and I try to be better and I try to, I try to move on from this stuff. You're not going to move on from it unless you have the one who moves you on from it. So some of us need to just, just really sincerely ask, like, am I doing this or am I doing this with Christ who has set me free? And then some of us, 
we're just holding on to, to sin that we don't wanna deal with. You know, we're, we're believers, we're Christians, we've, we've been here, but there's that, there's that nasty little sin that just kinda hangs on to us. And we don't wanna talk about it because it's embarrassing and I don't want anybody to think lesser of me and, and I, I'm, just gonna, I'm just gonna hide my sin within the church. Like, no, we should share our sin within the church and ask for help and ask for wisdom and ask for prayer and ask for people to call us out on it when they see it. So one of the things that I, I, I see it in the New Testament church and I see it not at all with us, just this, this willingness to be open with each other we can't let something go if we're hiding it. So we, we've got to develop a family. And I'm not saying stand up here on the platform in front of everybody and go, hey guys, here's my sin. No, but in, in your small group, in your Sunday school class, in your small little core group of friends or whatever that you have in this church, like find you some people and open up and share and get it off your chest and move on. Live now, not live back there wherever whatever happened. Move on. The East and the West move on and they're able to move forward. If they hadn't moved on, they'd have sat there and stared each other down for the next couple of centuries. Like, oh, they're gonna come attack us again soon, I bet. Just move on. We don't have enough time to sit here and dwell on stuff. Move on from it. So, so this new year, learning from this just horrible misunderstanding here, let's be bold enough to, to build our monuments, bold enough to stand for, for what's right and defend our faith and, and bold enough to call each other out. Let's be wise enough to communicate, to not jump to conclusions, and let's make sure we live in the, in the now. Understand, this is the time that we're given. Yesterday's gone, I don't get it back, I can't fix it, I can't complete it, it is what it is, it's over. I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. What the Lord has given me is right now. So if that's forgiving someone, if that's moving on from something, if that's letting my sin go and surrendering my life to Christ for the first time, man, do it, because this is what you have is right now. And so I'm thankful for their very bad mess understanding, horrible social skills in Joshua, because it gives us so much practical to learn from and to start our year off with. Um, I wanna pray for us as the worship team comes back up. Um, Lord, thank you for, thank you for your grace. Thank you for, um, thank you for mercy that we don't deserve. Thank you for uh, forgiveness, God, that we we can't fathom. Forgiveness that we uh, can't give ourselves, can't give to others. God, you are perfect in your love, perfect in your grace, perfect in your forgiveness. Um, Lord, you're you're clear that our sin is is gone that in you our sin is gone. So God, I pray that you give us the peace to let our sin go, to forgive ourselves, to let it go, to confess it where it needs to be confessed, to grow from it, to grow in this church, Father, this, this, this group here in Chat Valley and the global church as a whole, Father, just let us grow closer together. Um, let us grow more deeply um, in this brother and sisterly love that we have as Christians to be able to, to confess sin and to, to move on from sin with the help of, of each other. Lord, let us seek you. Um, God, grant us wisdom as we do. Help us to develop habits, Father, that bring us closer to you and run from habits that are pulling us away from you. Um, Lord, just let us be bold. God, I pray this morning, if you're working on anybody's heart, 
And if there's somebody here that, that has never made you Lord, I bet you'll just, just push them over the edge this morning. Bring them, bring them to you so they can experience the joy and the peace that comes with your grace and your mercy. We love you and praise things in your life. Thanks for listening. If you would like more information about Chattanooga Valley Baptist, check us out on the web at cvbchurch.org. If you would like to join in person, we worship every Sunday morning at 1045. We're just minutes.